0: Welcome to Be Advised Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart in this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential.
1: The phrase business development may sound imposing. It may even sound a little boring, but it doesn't have to be. This is Brad Swinehart's podcast, Be Advised, Leading with Value. And his guest demystifies not just business development, but marketing as well. Duncan McPherson is the CEO of Pareto Systems. He works with top notch professionals and companies in a wide range of fields, including financial services, insurance and consulting to create sustainable businesses in the knowledge-for-profit industry. Good job, Brad. Once again, you have a dynamic in-demand speaker here for your listeners.
2: Duncan, thank you very much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you.
3: Likewise, Brad. Thanks for having me.
2: Let's just get right into it. I mean, you're kind of known best for best practices focusing on implementation and, you know, Over the last 16 months, what has changed for you? And what have you seen changed for the financial advisor?
3: Yeah, great start. Um, It's been very revealing. And I'm an optimist, uh, very much looking for the positive and for the opportunity. But what I've seen it reveal, Brad, is three types of advisors. So you've got the advisor who is coasting. You've got the advisor who's cresting, and you've got the advisor who's climbing. So by coasting, I mean their uh, adjustments have been minimal. And unfortunately, that group is on a collision course with obsolescence because the commoditization and the rate of change is just going to be overwhelming. Those who are cresting, they're still growing. So in the last 16 months, uh, many of these advisors, it's been their best year ever. But they haven't gotten out in front of the issues around capacity and time. And they're just going to max out. They're going to plateau. Those who are climbing are not only growing, but they're refining and optimizing They're professionalizing and standardizing everything they do, and they are going to win. They're going to have uh, an amazing next five to 10 years. So we can talk a little bit more about some of those uh, distinctions, but that's what I've seen in the
2: last uh, 16 months. And we're definitely seeing the same thing. It's, It's the advisors that kind of taken what worked in 2019, they... Harnessed some real efficiencies in 2020, and the ones that are successfully able to blend those together for a 2021 plan, those are the ones that seem to be growing. Because there were so many efficiencies that we found last year, because of the pandemic. I mean, I I am a very much a, you know, to my bones manager that says get into work. That way, I know how you're working. You have to be in the office, you know, eight to five every day and I want to see you at your desk head down doing your work. And, you know, for the last year, it was a big, big culture shock to me to say, Hey, you know what? We can all work remote. We can do things virtually and still be just as, just as or if not more productive. And I think you're, you're totally correct in that those advisors that have kind of sit back, they've kind of coasted, they can put their heads in the sand a little bit this last year, you know, maybe worked on their referral business a little bit or looked into their book, but they're really just kind of coasting along, you know, For them to jump in now and try to catch up to the guys that have figured out what worked in 2020, adding in their 2019 um, methods, and now have this huge plan of efficiency and growth in front of them, they're going to be a few steps behind, if not more.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And what's interesting about the group in the coasting category, uh, just based on demography, uh, a lot of these advisors are, you know, kind of on the home stretch and they're uh, a year or two or five away from an exit, and you know their their ambition isn't quite the same. They're they're more sort of content, and they're going to have a liquidity event. They're going to sell their business, uh, and that's fine. In the in the cresting category, this is uh, a lot of the sort of. 40, 50 year old advisors who still have quite a bit of runway, but they're on a collision course with a plateau because they haven't fully adopted these best practices. In other words, they're not working on the business. They're still transacting. And because they're good people and because uh, so much has been shattered uh, in terms of trust, is that they're the safe haven for a lot of people. But again, to your point, I mean, they've only got 24 hours in the day and they've got to find efficiencies. And that comes from working on the business. And uh, that's a fascinating group. Cause I call that the movable middle. Right. But those right. who are climbing, they are, they are really uh, you know, and a lot of these people were around in 08 and That was obviously quite a jolt, but they came out of 08 better than ever. And they're looking at this as an even another uh, level of opportunity. So I don't think there's a better time. Well, I don't think there's a better time to be alive, but I also don't think there's a better time to be a financial advisor right now if the clay is soft and the willingness to adopt these best practices is there because you got demography, you got volatility, you got commoditization, all these external forces combined with uh, a lot of money in motion and a lot of people that are sort of reevaluating as a client who their
2: financial advisor should should be. So that's a really good combination there. And we've seen on our side that the consumer market is just, absolutely booming right now with questions and with the administrative changes that are going on all the stuff that happened last year you know covid pandemic changes in retirement all the different secure act cares act all that stuff that happened you know the last last 18 months and now potential new tax changes that people absolutely have questions and concerns and you're exactly right they they want to know who who can help them with that? And if if their financial advisor hasn't been in contact with them over the last 18 months, very regularly, you know, and in the format that they want to be communicated with, then they're going to be looking for, for answers somewhere else. And, you know, a one thing that I think we should focus on is that, that cresting group of advisors, you know, they, they have that ambition, they're trying to move forward, but you know, you've said it often that busy doesn't mean that you're being productive so how do we help this group take a step back from, you know, working 24 hours a day and instead develop some of those efficiencies and what should they be focusing on to really move forward and, and achieve growth?
3: Okay. So that's, that's a very good question. And you really got to keep me uh, focused here because Let's I keep focused. Focus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, I want to dissect that a little bit, and then I want to answer the question. So make sure you you bring me back because you look at the dynamic uh, around the consumer and the advisor. Uh, Obviously, the alignment of interest has to be there, but there's all these disconnects. So first of all, we all know the phrase, uh, penny wise, pound foolish, well, you think about all those consumers that said, okay, you know, I'm tired of paying my advisor 1%. I'm going to go do it myself. And I'm going to crowdsource my intel from, you know, Reddit or CNBC or whatever. And then the Robin Hood debacle happens. And now the shift for the consumer is, okay, it's not how much an advisor costs, it's what an advisor is worth. That's a powerful force, number one. Number two, the velocity of noise that a consumer is being bombarded with. They're, they're, you, know, you think about crypto, you think about precious metals, you think about geopolitical issues. That's intense. And I know that, and I know you do too, because I'm asking advisors all the time. Are are the questions you're getting from your clients now any different than they were 24 months ago? Well, I mean, it's very, very different. Okay, so you get that force. Then I'm going to sort of come back to the advisor and I will answer your question around uh, the cresting. What separates the best from the rest is the best understand that you do not achieve professional contrast simply by being good at technical ability, meaning how they manage money. Okay, that's, I'm not gonna trivialize it, but that is commoditized. In fact, I'm seeing advisors who are, for all intents and purposes, getting out of the wealth management business. And by that, I mean, they're outsourcing the technical ability to liberate them, to focus on what's proprietary to them. So they've realized, okay, I don't just manage money. I manage a business and I manage people. So I'm managing a business to create a client experience and drive enterprise value. And I'm managing people to keep them loyal, to capture money in motion, and to drive advocacy. So the elite advisor knows. I don't just manage money. I manage a business. I manage people. I'm going to treat all three with the same level of importance. And in fact, I might even uh, outsource some of the wealth management stuff, which means I'm going to get out of this sort of mindset of households and holdings. I'm going to get into models and platforms, a sort of almost a set it and forget it mentality to really focus on driving my enterprise value, creating a client experience that's attractive to a very attractive client and raising the quality and quantity of introductions I receive because of advocacy. That's a big, big distinction in mindset that we're seeing. And I'm sure
2: you are as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and you couldn't have said it better that it, There's so many parts of the job that are becoming a commodity that what an advisor that really benefits their practice is developing those relationship skills, developing, understanding your clients. And one of the recent episodes we talked about just asking more questions and we were, we were focused on prospecting at that time, but the same is true with your clients. You, you have to ask them questions. You have to develop that professional relationship with them. So you know what's going on and, far more often people are concerned about other things in their life than the commodity of, you know, managing their money. That
3: is, that's a very enlightened comment. And, um, I, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but I am telling advisors that professionalize that. Like, it's not just that you care about your clients. You care specifically about what they care about. So what I mean by that is, okay, you're a goals-based planner. What process do you have to really understand your client's goals? To help them connect with you and understand that it's not what money is or how much I have. It's what it does. And by that, I mean, we, we have this very simple acronym uh, called FORM. So FORM represents the four key components of a typical interaction between a financial professional and a client, okay? Which means they talk about the client's family, their occupational aspirations, and their recreational interests, family, occupation, recreation. Money is a means to those ends. So, all the goals a, clients ha- a client has in those three areas, money makes happen, okay? So, when, when, when a financial professional makes this client facing and they, they start having form conversations, very deliberate, it, it changes the dynamic where it's not just that the, that the advisor is a good person with good intentions and good qualities. They, they've taken it to another level. It becomes a best practice. And here's, here's the KPI on that. When an advisor gets a phone call from a client and the client says, hey, Brad, uh, you got to do me a favor. I was talking to my buddy. He's a little freaked out. He's got his own business. A lot of pressure. Uh, We had a great conversation. I started talking about you. We really got into form. And uh, bottom line is he wants to talk to you. So do me a favor. Would you just make some time and talk to my friend? What's happening there? the client has internalized the advisor's process that now they're socializing it and now mirroring it back on the advisor and the client doesn't even realize it's happening it's it's subconscious that's powerful so and and that's always been prevalent but based on the bizarre disruption of the last 16 months it's never been more important
2: than now and I think powerful is the exact word I was going to use to describe that because it is when you can convey a, a message and caring so, so poignant to your clients that then they mirror that and spread that word and bring in referrals at that point, then you really are focusing on, on what you should be when it comes to your clients. And one way I like to think about it is, you know, money or, or financial assets. Those are like the vehicle. And we always talk about financial vehicles, but your clients, they don't necessarily want to talk about the car. They don't want to talk about the vehicle. They don't want to, they don't want to hear about how the engine works and, and what type of RPMs are optimal. What they want to talk about is the destination. What they want to talk about is getting to that destination, the vehicle that gets them there. Yeah, that's, that's neat and all, but that's not what they're passionate about. You don't go on vacation and think, oh man, I am so excited to get that rental car. No, you are, you're excited to go sit on the beach. You're excited to go be with your family and watch a sunset. So if you can focus on the destination, address the vehicle, but focus on the destination, that's when you're going to bond with your client. And I think when you do that and you can showcase your real authenticity and compassion that you care about that destination they're trying to get to, that in turn is going to generate more referrals and help that client ultimately understand why you're in the business and why you put yourself there? So I can't believe that in 25 years I've never heard that analogy before. So I'll I'll be stealing that. Just see. So yeah, know. you heard it here first. Just just put a little asterisk there and say that when that one came from Brad. Well, actually, um,
3: my creativity is actually my ability to conceal my sources. So I have a rule of three, which means. The first time I talk about that, I will give you credit. I'll say it's like Brad said. <laughs> the second time, it'll be it's like someone said. Third time, it's like I've always said. It's I just said it before.
2: Yeah, I've heard it's it's been said. Right? If you say it, and then you can later say, "Well, it's been said." Yeah, I love that. And next, it's really funny. You could, if you borrow from one person, that's stealing, right? But if you borrow from lots of people, then that's called research. So. Mm-hmm just just grab one more person as a similar mentality and then it could be yours that's hilarious but
3: you know but it is true uh, you know clients they don't need to know everything you know they just need to know that you know
2: and exactly exactly
3: that 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 your value is creating a trajectory and you know what you got me thinking about this to to because part of what you do what i do is to help an advisor expand their thinking I you know you think about advocacy. Okay, I say I say to advisors all the time, what's an advocate? And as you can imagine they all say, well, that's somebody who believes in me and they they refer people to me. And I go, well, all right, you're 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 half right. In truth, an advocate they're not just an advocate for the advisor, they're an advocate for the friend and they feel they're doing the friend a disservice by not making the introduction to the advisor. So I'm an advocate for you. I'm an advocate for the friend. I see the alignment of interests. I make the introduction. I expect nothing in return. And what's powerful about that is, in terms of you know karma, energy, is just creating that activity, just being referable and, and, and making advocacy something that's client facing, that activates something in them where they feel like, okay, you know what, I'm not just going to endorse my advisor and say nice things about her. I'm actually going to go out of my way and take action and introduce someone to my advisor. That's powerful. And that's what we're seeing happening more than ever in
2: the last 16 months, as I'm sure you are as well. And what would you recommend as some tactical steps an advisor can, can go about to, to facilitate that with their, with their clients? Let's say that they've, they've stopped talking about the, the, you know, the V6 and they started talking about the destination now and their clients are coming on board. What would be some tactical ways to, to approach that with your current client base?
3: Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to answer that with two parts the why and the how, and I'll just build on that whole concept of advocacy. The first thing I ask advisors to embrace is the distinction between pitching and positioning. Okay, so in other words, I suggest that the advisor does not pitch the idea of a referral as a favor they are asking of the client. I want them to position it as a service they are providing to the client. Now, what does that look like? What that first of all means is the advisor does not ask for referrals, which is counter to what this industry has been telling advisors forever, right? Who else do you know? I get paid in three ways. I'm trying to grow my business and all that other nonsense that doesn't work because it makes the advisor look needy okay so that's the first part position don't pitch okay so attract with stewardship don't chase with salesmanship that's the why the how is be be for lack of a better analogy be the open kitchen okay like you know, my my favorite restaurants are an open kitchen. They're so proud of what they do, they show it off front and center, okay? And it's it's very compelling, right? You walk into a great restaurant, it's an open kitchen. You just know it's going to be good, okay? So what does that mean to an advisor? Well, you're not marketing to yourself. So don't operate in the back room behind a curtain trying to craft this clever phraseology. Just be completely open and forthright and transparent, use social proof, be rational. What that means is, and I'll I'll just give you an uh, uh, an example here, Brad. Okay. You're my client. I'm your advisor. We're having a a conversation. And you, for example, you say to me, so how are you doing? And I say, Brad, I got to tell you something. I'm doing great. I know it's bizarre out there. But this is why I became a financial advisor. I mean, this doesn't even feel like work because this is where I really feel my sense of purpose. Just helping people tune out the noise. It's like putting noise-canceling headphones on. And as you can imagine, uh, I'm talking to a lot of friends and family members of clients who uh, have some nagging doubts maybe about the track they're on or they're a little confused about what's going on. And I got to tell you, the most fulfilling thing I do is meeting with someone and just helping them make informed decisions. Uh, I love what I do. Okay, so so what just happened there? Well, first of all, there's got to be conviction that it's actually true. You got to lead with your sense of purpose. This is why I became a financial advisor. And just use social proof. Tell a client that other clients are introducing people and... It's very rewarding. That's like the tip of the spear is just having a very open conversation about what's going on in your life and how fulfilled you are. And then you see where that lands. Here's what's going to happen. One of two things. A client's either going to say, oh, that's cool. And then it's just over. So just drop it. You planted a seed. Or they're going to latch on and say, You know, that's funny. I was talking to my sister the other night and she is a little freaked out. That response from a client is giving you permission to go into more detail. And, and, you know, we we professionalize everything. Everything is a process. So we professionalize it with the why, the who and the how. So tell your clients why why, why you make yourself available Tell them who you're suited for. Just remove that mystery and tell them how to make an introduction. And I can get into that more if you want, but that's basically uh, rooted in permission marketing. That's how you open the conversation. But again, there's no expectation. I'm not looking needy. And obviously, it helps if that is true. And for most advisors, it is true. They're talking to more people who have more questions and more concerns. And the elite advisors, as you would know, Brad, they've never felt more of a calling uh, about their profession than they do right now, just based on everything that's swirling around. So let me stop there. I'll let you chime in. And if you want me to go further on that, I will.
2: Well, what's really interesting is exactly what you said there. It really touches on things that we train advisors to do in a, in a seminar or on a webinar. And very often it seems that people can dial it in and it makes sense when they're on stage, but they forget to use those same mentalities to bring those into conversations. You know, what Duncan just explained is, you know, start with your why, go through a tactical next steps and highlight a story. All of those things I highly recommend when you're doing an in-person event, you're doing a webinar, you know, Tell them your why, tell them why you're there. You know, he very, um, very pointedly in in his example there gave a tactical um, process for this is how I was talking to a client. They introduced me to their friend. We set up a phone call and then he told a story of why that was beneficial, both to him tying back to his why, but also to that, that friend and that client to, to make that client ultimately feel good what you're doing is you're really laying that groundwork to, to set up referrals. And that's the same thing we tell people to do in a seminar of how to, how to book that appointment, right? How to, how to get their brain moving in that direction, you know, take that down to that conversation level and use that exact same mentality. And it's so interesting that there are some very, very good public speakers that are not that great at that first meeting and they're awful at gaining referrals. And I've talked to some very successful advisors that say, I don't, I don't know how to approach referrals. I don't know how to do it. You know, it's, it's just, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't understand it. But on the flip side, they've done thousands of seminars and they can get everybody in the audience to raise their hand for an appointment, but seeing that correlation and saying, you know what, why, Give some tactical next steps, add in your story, tie that all back together, and have it be very conversational with the very first question that every single person asks when you sit down for a meeting is, How are you doing? I mean, that's absolutely brilliant, Duncan.
3: Well, it's interesting that you would uh, key in on the why. And, um, you know, a lot of people attribute that approach to uh, Simon Sinek, who's, you know, a very compelling guy. But uh, this is pretty timeless. I actually learned this back in the early 90s from Jim Rohn. And uh, he said, when the why is clear, the how pretty much takes care of itself. And that's never to downplay the importance of the how, the process. But purpose is just as important as process. And when you can put them together hand in glove, it activates something. And Brad, you know, there's a guy you might have heard of. His name is Randy Schwantz. He wrote a book called The Wedge where he basically said, and you might want to track him down and do a a session with him because he's a very sharp guy. But he he says that for you to get hired, someone's got to get fired. And who's going to Who's going to make that happen? Well, here's how that works. First of all, you need the prospective client to come to his or her own conclusions. Okay. Your value is bought, not sold. You're not trying to convince a prospective client to become a client. You want them to convince you. So how does that happen? Well, it starts with an advocate. Okay. So an advocate Uh, a client of mine talking to a friend. So in other words, you want to have a conversation with someone who's already convinced and help them go and convince somebody else because they'll do a better job. So don't you go out and try to convince somebody, get, get your current client base out there, priming the pump, convincing people to create an introduction now back to your comment about the the no man's land between intent and, and consent a lot of people can bring someone right on the verge okay intent but it doesn't cross over to someone taking action with consent and why because it's undermined by the law of diminishing intent because they don't have a natural bridge to, 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 to make the consent happen. That is such an easy adjustment to, to make right now. And again, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it doesn't involve salesmanship or sales tactics. It involves embracing uh Future pacing and process, and just helping somebody come to their own conclusions. You talked about it earlier, you know, that Socratic method of asking great questions. That is incremental, that builds self motivation. But just, just demystifying it. So it's not a close, it's an agreement, it's a fit. Everyone comes to their own conclusions, it's an alignment of interest, they want to take action. This is so fascinating now because the psychology of the elite advisor with a very high quality prospective client, just just creating that alignment—it's it's engineered, it's by design, and it's it's incredibly powerful. And I, as you can tell, I never get tired of talking about it, especially when it comes to introductions. So uh, anyway, that's kind of a long road to the store there, but. Uh, That
2: that's how it comes together. I love it, and you know, it's interesting too because so often on the show we talk about marketing, we talk about filling that funnel, and you know, it's it's almost like advisors think, well, I have to do marketing or I rely on referrals. But what they don't understand is how how correlated they are and how they really optimize each other. I was talking to a an advisor just yesterday who's used White Glove for four years. Every single piece of marketing he does is through us. And he said, if, if he calculates his total ROI with us over these four years, it's a nine to one. And that sounds great. And then he said, but actually, out of those clients I've picked up, out of those prospects I've gotten, I've gotten a ton of referrals as well. And if you add those in, because the the source of the, you know, the the fruit of the tree is still that white glove marketing message. It's actually a 21. He had this number right off the top of his head. He said it was a 21.4 to one ROI using our system. But the what I'm trying to dial back into is that it's not one or the other. It's how you blend those together and you stage that so that you're always looking to grow. And this has been a... a just a very complex episode. I loved having you on Duncan. You know, I know we're hitting about time here. If we could do one more, just value add takeaway. If you had one thing to tell advisors, you know, what they should focus on, how do they avoid that, that shiny object mentality and really see growth? What would that be? Okay. So part of my
3: pattern is when you ask for one thing, you'll get two things. Okay. So I'm sorry. That's... I, picked, I picked up on that. So so just to sort of uh, dovetail to what you were saying there, um, I, I help advisors understand the dynamic between marketing and branding. So marketing is what you say, branding is what they hear. And what you described about the advisor who's done the KPIs, what's happening is he's activated the relationship cycle around conversion. So he's converting clients into advocates who are going out and representing the advisor's brand to others in a very compelling way. That is a lost art. I know you guys have cracked that code. It's very powerful, but that's what's happening there. Back to your point about, uh, you know, the one thing, and, and it's just, you, you sort of teed this up perfectly is seize this opportunity to reintroduce yourself to existing clients. And the best way to do that is, first of all, embrace the notion that the review meeting is obsolete. The concept of getting together with a client, whether it's on Zoom or face-to-face to rehash something that's already happened. There used to be a time that was enough. Now that's, that's, that's gone. Embracing the concept of a strategy and tactical meeting where the advisor will invest the past into the future, make mid-course corrections and make sure they're completely in sync. That's the positioning, it's part of the process and use that strategy and tactical meeting to reintroduce the advisor to the client. And how it's done is this, it's, it's identified on the agenda and the advisor basically says this to the client. So he or she would say, and I'll just use you, Brad, as the client. i say, hey, Brad, as, as we wind down this meeting, I'm really glad we had a chance to reconnect and make sure we're completely in sync and, and align. You can see I added an item to the agenda as we uh, get ready to wrap up. Um, it, just an overview of our process. And I put that there because, you know, over the last 12 to 16 months, as a team, we've used this opportunity to elevate our client experience. And we've really enjoyed that. And We've come to this realization. We've got some amazing clients who aren't aware of everything we do. We're kind of our own best-kept secret. We're kind of like the iceberg. I mean, our clients know what they know and they know what they see, but they don't have the complete picture. So I just want to take a moment just to drill down into the process, just to make sure you have the complete picture, not just for now, but where our relationship is going over the, its lifetime. That positioning, that, that, that sort of concept right there is where the advisor can rejuvenate existing relationships that have drifted into a bit of a loyalty fatigue, okay? So the client trusts the advisor, but they don't have the complete picture. That rejuvenation has been absolutely incredibly powerful in terms of future pacing, capturing money in motion, and positioning for advocacy. So Brad, if you want... I'll make two videos available to your uh, community. I've got one called the Review Meetings Obsolete and another one called Seven Pillars, One Process. They're very brief. Uh, the Seven Pillars video is all about not asking a client to buy something, but asking them to buy into something. These two drivers, if you were to say to me, what's, what, are the, what are the basic components that have proven to be just absolute game changers for lead advisors, I'd say it was right there. And if you want us to make it that available to your uh, followers, I'd be more than happy to do so. But uh, anyway, that's, that's uh, my response to your question that you asked a long time ago.
2: I love it. And we'd be happy to have those videos and we could throw those up in our Captivating Advisor page on White Glove and make those available to all our listeners and all our followers. That would be absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I thought it was absolutely powerful. A lot of stuff to to dive into. Really appreciate your time.
3: Likewise, and thanks for being an advocate for the financial professional uh, in our group. Uh, it's very, very rewarding right now, as you know.
1: And that is Duncan McPherson, CEO of Pareto Systems and Brad Swinehart, host of this podcast, Be Advised, Leading with Value. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you can go and show off a little bit. Sure, share with friends and colleagues.
0: Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.